a little better. The suffering is less gross, but it's still there because Krishna is an ocean of mercy. If one wants to stay in the material world, that's exactly what he'll give them, the capacity to do that. But that is, as they say, the booby prize. You think you win, but you actually lost. is to do one's duties, but to do them for God, so that one is detached, and by that one can go to Him. And then there's kind of an intermediate position that Kapilade describes, the position of the yogis. So, those who actually worship Brahma, the highest material living entity, they go to the topmost material planet after their austerities are completed, and they actually merge into his body. And after Brahma dies, they leave the material world with him. But Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur elaborates on this, that if one is conceiving of of themselves as a worshipper of Brahma, and not of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, then even though they leave the material world to be with the personality of Godhead by the power of their worshipful Lord Brahma, who's a devotee in that case, they actually come back, which is really interesting. And that's kind of built into the, today's verse because, in other words, because uh, no other position is actually going to guarantee to stay out of the material world to actually achieve the highest knowledge and the highest happiness, therefore we should just go directly to God. 
We should, in other words, we should have our, our goal fixed in that way. Even those who, in this case, associate with Brahman without proper conception, apparently must have some material desire remaining, which is why they're, they're granted the opportunity to come back to the material world. And we don't want that. This, I heard this Holiness, Holiness Devamri Swami one time describe that. In his uh, coming to Krishna consciousness, he realized that he wanted the highest knowledge and the highest pleasure. That, that was his goal. He was getting an Ivy League education and wasn't as a terrifically intelligent person. He thought, you know, I could have anything. What do I want? I want the highest knowledge and I want the highest pleasure. And he realized when he began to read Srila Prabhupada's books and practice the chanting Hare Krishna, that that is exactly, those two things are exactly what this movement is offering. The highest knowledge and the highest pleasure. And we're going to talk a little bit about those two things. And we're also going to bring it back to Sri Vasacharya, who actually appeared today, the fifth member of the Panchatattva, who also showed in his pastimes what it's like as a devotee in the direct association of Krishna. In this case, Krishna Chaitanya, Lord Chaitanya. Krishna comes as a devotee. And how that position actually is a position of complete knowledge and complete satisfaction. And by hearing a little bit about that, that picture, having that picture painted for us, hopefully we'll have a little bit of appreciation for what that actually is, that experience is like. Because, I mean, I can, I can explain theoretically, anybody can explain theoretically, who's right, Shiva Prabhupada's books, what the complete knowledge and complete, complete pleasure is. And that's good. At the same time, when we hear, probably when we hear Vrindavan Thakur's description, maybe also Krishna's Tavya Goswami's description of the experience of that full knowledge and full satisfaction, that's also very valuable. It's a little different than just circumscribing it in terms of what it theoretically is. And by the mercy, we'll actually experience that a little bit. So, in the purport, Shri Prabhupada talks about how actually the mind body, the impersonalist, and the Vaishnava, they both want oneness. Which is a very interesting statement. In the, in the material world, everything that people do is to transcend their embodied condition and to have a, uh, an experience of a higher reality, actually. If you think about it, people go to sporting events so they can actually identify with a higher cause. They want to, they want to cheer their team on with other people who are cheering their team on. And when they win, they when the team wins, then they win. Because they've transcended temporarily, at least on some mental platform, theoretically, they've transcended, I am Bob from uh, Denver, and no, I'm, I'm a Broncos fan. And the Broncos just stopped them on fourth down. Woo. So whatever the situation could be, sports, could be music, it could be sex, it could be food, actually people want to transcend their littleness, and they want to grow. They actually want their consciousness to expand. They generally don't realize that's what they want, but it is what they want. Because our constitutional position is very, very small. 
were always very small. And unfortunately for us, we're looking for an expansion of consciousness in the wrong place. Prabhupada points out that Lord Kapila is already, he's pointing to Dibhuti. Actually, all these things I'm saying to you, you're sitting on a gold mine because I'm right here and I'm your son. I'm not going anywhere. I've appeared just to benefit you. And I've appeared as your son so you can have a relationship with me. And you already have that relationship. So the ultimate form of expansion of consciousness, the ultimate form of getting beyond our temporary petty situation is through relationship, actually. That's the crux of the Vaishnava philosophy. It's not through uh, a speculative understanding. It's not through any other means. It's actually through relationship. That is the most powerful force to help us transcend any situation. That's exactly what bhakti means. It's the force of relationship with God himself as a person, with us as a person, by which we transcend any and all temporary situations. And Kapilalev is saying, you already have that, and here is your son. And so Prabhupada points that out. The great irony, he's giving all this philosophy, and actually it culminates in what she already has. But she's a very special person. Krishna has directly appeared as her son, from her own body. This is why she's in the Srimad Bhagavatam. She's a remarkable person. Um, and she has already a full-fledged relationship with him. But all this philosophy is also very important, especially for us. We're trying to establish, once again, this relationship with Krishna. So Prabhupada goes out of his way to point out the similarity and difference between the Vaishnava philosophy and the Mayabhadi philosophy. They both want oneness. They both want to merge, so to speak. Uh, we hear Prabhupada criticize the merging of the impersonalists. Merging into oneness with God for them means to completely sacrifice their selfness, their individuality, their ability to actually interact with God. Which also means that for them, they sacrifice the capacity to deal with God as a person. Because they're not a person, he's, he's not a person, there's no relationship. They actually want to just become that. Which is inferior. It's inferior. It's like somebody wanting to go to the sports event, and they say, yeah, I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm going to become the team. I'm going to become the game. There's actually no exchange at that point. There's no, it's, it's a silly idea. There's no um, experience of the team winning or losing. There's actually no medium of exchange at all. They cease to exist, so does the team. So does the musician and the concert. It's just actually, it's a theoretical way of trying to get beyond one's petty material situation. But the Vaishnavas say, no. I'm going to go to Krishna, and I'm going to be with him. And I'm going to experience him by serving him. I'm going to give him the experience of my service. And he's also going to experience me. And in this way, the Vaishnavas merge, as Prabhupada points it, puts it, into the ocean of devotional service, or into the ocean of transcendental knowledge. They merge into that. All of the cares and troubles and concerns that are there in the petty material consciousness that we're stuck with when we are convinced that I am this body, I am this mind, all of those insignificant things that are associated with the body, which after all is not us, is not us, they go away. They become merged in the ocean of transcendental mellows, of, of the rasa, the flavor that's there in the relationship with Krishna. That's the goal. That is actually the goal. And 
Prabhupada uses the analogy in some places that just like you cannot approach the sun without becoming like the sun, right? The sun is tremendously brilliant. It's tremendously effulgent. It's giving off so much heat. If one actually approaches the sun, you know, my body is not giving off tremendous heat. It's giving off like about 98 degrees Fahrenheit with heat. Pretty, pretty insignificant. But if I, if my body approaches the sun, I guarantee you it's going to be brilliant. It's going to put off heat. It's going to burn. It's going to become incandescent. And uh, that's just the way it is. There's no way around it. You can't approach the sun without becoming like the sun. Because the sun is what it is. And it's extremely powerful. And similarly, he says, Prabhupada does, one cannot approach God without becoming godlike. So the process of approaching God is to become godlike, and in the process of approaching God, we become godlike. We become brilliant. As much as anything that's propelled toward the sun will eventually become an emitter of light and an emitter of heat, just like the sun, in a small part. And therefore, that thing and the sun are on the same platform. So as, one, as much as one approaches God, one is also on the same platform as Him. That is the meaning of oneness. This is why the scriptures actually contain statements about oneness. Because the whole point of Vyasadeva's presentation of the Upanishads, the whole point of Bhagavad Gita, the Puranas, the whole point of Vedanta Sutra, and everything else, is to get us to that relationship. Is to get us to that kind of oneness. And Therefore, there are statements both of oneness and of difference. In Sanskrit, it's called Bheda Shabda and Abheda Shabda. Difference and oneness, they're both there. Because the impersonalists, in order to support an incomplete philosophy, have to neglect entirely the statements about difference, which are also quite numerous. Sri Prabhupada is fond of them. Does anybody know this, this verse? Nityonityanam chetanas chetanam ekul bahunam yomudhitadikama. Does anybody recognize that? Prabhupada quotes it a lot. Can anybody give us a rough translation? It's actually half of a verse from, I believe, the Shrekha Shrekha Upanishad. Does anybody have a rough translation of it? There's the, we're, we're, we're all eternal, Krishna is chief eternal. We're all eternal, Krishna is chief eternal. Chief eternal, and we're conscious, and he's the supreme consciousness. We're conscious, and he's the supreme consciousness. Yes. Yeah, he is that one supreme who is actually maintaining the others and fulfilling their desires. That's a fundamental difference. Uh, so there's a difference verse, as well as a similarity verse. There's also oneness there. We're conscious, God's conscious. We're eternal, God's eternal. But he's the one who's actually maintaining us and fulfilling our desires, not the other way around. We can't even fulfill our own desires. If I want oxygen right now, I cannot manufacture it. I have to breathe and hope it's there. I have to have lungs that were given to me in order to breathe. I have to have a voice to say these things. None of these things were provided by me. They're provided outside of me. Everything about my experience is completely dependent. Therefore, I'm not in the same category as God in that way. But actually, also I am, by His mercy, a conscious and eternal living entity. That's a fact. I don't end. I'm always conscious in one form or another. That's by His mercy. That just like Him, Krishna never ends. Krishna is a conscious being. He's not an idea. He's actually a person. Just like, I'm not an idea, I'm actually a person. But I can be represented as, as an idea. 
and minimized. And similarly, Krishna can be minimized as a fable, a nice story, or anything else, a lie, uh, something people tell themselves to get over the fear of death. But these are all minimizations of a person. Therefore, the devotees are not particularly impressed by them, and indeed, rather uh, annoyed, generally, because as much as if I hear that somebody comes to the temple and says, you know, Let's say they come to the temple and Mother Nature's giving Sunday feast, and she's speaking from her heart about the glories of devotional service. And then somebody in the audience actually stands up and interrupts Mother Nature and says, "Actually, what this, what this, what, what is meant, to, what is meant to be said here is this." And they start speaking for her. They don't let her speak for herself. That's something like what persons do when they interpret Bhagavad Gita, Krishna's words. And they actually say, actually, what Krishna is saying here is, is this. He's actually not saying that he's a person, although it's there in the Sanskrit. He's actually saying, let me let you in on a little secret. He's actually letting you in on an even deeper understanding. He's an idea. And you are also that idea. I know it's not there in the Bhagavad Gita. I'm giving you this secret here. It's actually totally rude. If anybody actually did that to Mother Nidra, nobody would stand for it. They tell me, get down and sit down and stay down and stop talking. And similarly, Prabhupada has very little patience for this kind of very selfish and ultimately extremely rude interruption of Krishna's mercy on us in the form of Bhagavad Gita when certain persons want to insert their opinions. We don't need opinions when someone is speaking about the truth, when they're speaking their own mind. If we want to hear from that person, we need only hear from that person. And those persons who are actually surrendered to them, their devotees. So that's what bhakti is. And this is why Prabhupada actually goes out of his way to point out the fallacies of impersonalist philosophy and the perfection of Vaishnava philosophy. Whatever is found in impersonalist philosophy, which is of value, that oneness is actually in Vaishnava philosophy. We have that oneness. We need it. We're all looking for it. This is why we're going to Denver Block those games. And we're going to, well, not now. And not to the concerts and not to the NBA. <laughs> People actually have their, their, their experiences of oneness are being curtailed by, by Krishna's some inscrutable arrangement so that hopefully they can get these books and, and experience higher oneness. Because that doesn't stop for any virus. We don't, we don't stop distributing these books or Krishna's name for anything. But they're always going to keep looking. They have to. They're helpless in that regard. They're going to look for it in their life. They're going to look for it in their husband and kids. People have kids to actually have something of them that goes and exists beyond their own body. And they want to actually experience family so they can experience a greater reality than their own. Uh, very kind of small and singular experience of identity. But the highest expression of that is to actually love God. Not just to love one's own progeny. There are an uncountable number of living entities that have had progeny. And just by doing that, none has actually expanded their consciousness to the point where they can really qualify as being broad-minded. Just, not just by doing that. They may have actually become broad-minded for other reasons and in other ways, but there are billions of ants under this building right now, procreating, and none of them cares a fig 
for any ant other than the ones outside their, inside their ant hive. And the same with the squirrels on the fences, although these squirrels have been taking Krishna Prashadam, so maybe their consciousness is expanding, I don't know. But regular squirrels, forget about it. They don't care about other squirrels. In fact, they fight with them. Get off my tree. And human beings, too. Get off my lawn. If, if that's all they have going for them, is them and their family and their lawn, then it's just get off my lawn. One way or another. It's, it's, it's all they can resort to. The consciousness does expand by actually performing the duties of, you know, marriage and having children, to a point, because you, you actually get beyond being totally selfish. You have to take care of a wife or husband and some kids. And that's good. And that's why these verses leading up to this talk about doing your duties as a human being. If you do them in, a, in an attached way, you're at least better than persons who don't even do any duties as a human being. They just live like animals. They wander around. Now I'll eat. Now I'll eat. And so forth. Completely unregulated. But it's still not a very high stage. So, Prabhupada is taking us to the highest stage because Kapila is taking us to the highest stage here. Therefore, Atta, this is the conclusion of, of this entire section. Therefore, just take the devotional service, take to it directly. Shanam Vraja, go. This is the same word as we find in Bhagavad Gita. Maan Ekam Shanam Vraja. Can anybody quote that verse? Yes, 1866. Belt it out. Krishna says, just surrender to me. Abandon all varieties of religion and just surrender to me. Do not fear, I shall deliver you from all sinful reaction. Jai. Very good. Also, the, the, the conclusion, the natural conclusion of Bhagavad Gita. He's giving us final instructions. He's doing the same thing here as Kapila did. There's no interpretation required, there's no uh, secret meaning. It's right there. Shadanam Virgin, Bahavena, by devotional service, by Bahava. So Lord Kapila is pointing out devotional feeling. This is, the, this is the final thing I'm pointing you towards, my dear mother, is devotional feeling. Just love me. This is his final message. And in that, pure devotional service is everything we're looking for. So now we're going to hear a little bit about Srivas Pandit, who had that and has that. Because of his relationship with Lord Chaitanya, Srivas Pandit, of Panchatattva fame, the fifth member of the Panchatattva, is actually Nardamuni in Gorali. Nardamuni is, I think, in every single canto of the Bhagavatam. He's in all the Puranas practically. He's an incredible personality. He's really famous. He is the guru himself of Vyasadeva, who wrote the Puranas, wrote the Vedanta Sutra. And he's one of the all time famous and beloved devotees of Srinayana. And when Lord Chaitanya appears as Krishna, to show the experience, and to experience the experience, of loving Krishna from the position of his own devotee, he brings with him many, many other very special devotees. And one of them is Shri Vakandit. Gorganarish Kritika says, Shri Vakandit Text 90. 
Intelligent Srivas Pandit had previously been Nardamuni, the best of the sages. Srivas's younger brother, Sriman Ram Pandit, had previously been Narada's close friend, Parvatamuni. I think Parvatamuni is the one who visited Maharaj Chitraketu with Narada. He's the first one. Yeah, he's the one who visited first. He gave the initial boom right. So Church of Ketu wanted his son, part of when he came and gave the benediction, and came back with Nari Muni, right? Yeah. Or, or the other way around. Anyway, you can see they're, they're close team. They're homies. Yeah, they're, they're, they are homies in Krishna's service. And they came as brothers. And we're going to hear a little bit about their, uh, their service to Lord Chaitanya. There's some references here. Chaitanya Bhagavad right? Yes. Jai, Madhya Kanda, Chapter 2, Sri Sankirtana Pavarana, description of the Sankirtana movement's beginning, by Sri Vrindavanas Thakur. Texts, uh huh, 272. We're going to start with earlier, actually, we're going to go a little before that. So, Some glorification of Shivas. Little backstory. By this time, Lord Chaitanya is intoxicated with love of Krishna. He's actually completely overwhelmed with love of God. He, growing up, Lord Chaitanya, we heard about this in Gorpurn of a week. He was, uh, he displayed the pastimes of being a brilliant scholar, brilliant pundit, and also tremendous arrogance. And at that time, he actually was the object of mercy of the devotees, including Shiva's Pandit. Krishna always wants to give the credit of everything to his devotees, that's his nature. He's incredibly self-effacing. So when Lord Chaitanya, who was, this Krishna himself, was walking through Navadvipa, performing his pastimes of randomly challenging people to debates and defeating them with unparalleled brilliance and unparalleled beauty. Shiva's Pandit would pray, my dear Lord, please let Lord, please let Nimai, was more Chaitanya than apparently, let Nimai Pandit become a Vaishnava. Please break his pride. Let him develop, develop love for you. And he prayed like that. And of course, in the course of his pastimes, that's exactly what Lord Chaitanya does. And he does that to show that nobody comes to devotional service without the blessings of the devotees. It's like an incredibly elite party. You can't just walk in. You have to know somebody. I'm with them. And by that, you can actually enter them, experience all the exchanges of that atmosphere. So Shiva's Pandit is glorified in that way by Lord Chaitanya. Because he prayed like that, therefore Lord Chaitanya came to Krishna consciousness, apparently. So, Lord Chaitanya now has actually manifested the Sankirtan movement, the chanting of Hare Krishna. And he's done that in Shiva's Pandit's home. He's chosen to make that the center of the universe the center of expansion for the Hare Krishna movement. When you go to Mayapur, 
you go down the ladder from the ISKCON center compound, just a little ways, there is Shrivas Pandit's home. Still there. And it's Sankirtan Central. It's the place where the kirtan of Lord Chaitanya was first performed. And there's a description here of some of that kirtan. And how some persons appreciated it and other persons didn't. And some of Lord or Srinivasacharya's Srivasacharya's glories we're gonna hear about. It. So here goes. Day and night in this way, Shachi's son always chanted the holy names in his home. In this way, Lord Chaitanya, his means, his home, Lord Chaitanya's but also Shiva's uh, Pandits. In this way, Lord Chaitanya began the Sankirtan movement. Seeing this, the devotees found that their sufferings perished. Shachi's son roared, Haribo! In home after home, the materialists and offenders woke up. Their happy sleep broke in. The materialists became angry. They felt frustrated. Someone said, what kind of madness has come over these people? Someone else said, we cannot even sleep at night. Someone else said, all this screaming will anger God. Then all these people will perish. Someone else said, shunning philosophy, they have become very arrogant. Someone else said, what are they singing about? Who knows? This is a conspiracy planned by the Brahmana Srivas. Just so they could eat, those four brothers get together and scream, Krishna, they are all madmen. Does one earn no piety by chanting in the mind? How does one earn piety by screaming? In this way, they could criticize more and more and more. And part of their criticisms were to say that actually, because of all this sankirtan, this loud, obnoxious glorification of Krishna's name, the king of the region, Muslim king at the time, is going to come and punish the Vaishnavas. Shiva's Pandit was very kind and generous. When he heard this talk, he believed it was true. Seeing the Muslim king, Shiva's became afraid at heart. Lord Chaitanya knew the devotee's heart. Now Shachasan began to reveal the truth to them. Lord Chaitanya, more handsome than Kamadeva and with no rival anywhere in the three worlds, fearlessly walked about. His every limb was anointed with fragrant sandal paste. His lips were red. His eyes were lotus flowers. His hair was curly. His face was a full moon. A sacred thread decorated his shoulder. His form was charming. His garments were splendid. Betel nuts were on his lips. He happily walked by the Ganga's bank. When pious people saw him, they became happy. When materialists and offenders saw him, they became morose. Someone said, he must have heard of the danger. Still, he has no fear. He walks about town as if he were a prince. Lord Chaitanya fearlessly looked in the four directions. He looked at the Ganga's beauty and the riverbank's beauty. With raised tails, some ran the four directions. Some cows fought, some napped, some drank water. Seeing them, the Lord began to roar, I am he, I am he, shouting again and again. In this way, he ran to Srivas's house. Srivas, what are you doing now? The Lord bellowed. Within his home, Srivas was worshipping Lord Nursingha. Pounding again and again, Lord Chaitanya broke the door open. <laughs> whom do you worship? On whom do you meditate? The person you worship has come, he roared. Srivas saw a form like blazing fire, then his meditation broke. He looked in the four directions. He saw Lord Chaitanya sitting in a virasana yoga posture. Anybody know what the virasana posture is? He showed us. 
Let's not speculate. So we can look it up. He saw Lord Chaitanya sitting in a virasana yoga posture. Lord Chaitanya had four arms. He held a conch shell, chakra, club, and lotus. He roared like a maddened lion. Slapping the palm of his hand against his left shoulder, he made a great sound. Seeing all this, Shivas trembled. Then he became stunned. He did not move. The Lord roared, Oh, Srivas, for so many days you did not know my true identity. Because of your loud Sankirtan, I left Vaikuntha and came here with all my associates. Not knowing that you left me and went to Shantipur, I will rescue the devotees. I will kill all the demons. Don't worry. Now recite prayers to me. Of course, what you tell me is killing the demons is to kill the demonic spirit. At one point in his Lila, after having exhibited his godhood, he exhibits various different avatar forms of the Lord's avatars, including Nusimhev, who is a form, generally, of righteous anger to turn up to 11. Lord Nusimhev is really, really angry. And he, when Lord Chaitanya was experiencing the Bhava of Nusimhev, he manifested that, that, that form and actually uh, chased persons down the street feeling transcendental anger at the, uh, their envy of God, their ignorance of God. And he came back, he felt ashamed, and he, and he kind of hung his head. And he said, I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry. And Srivas actually said, no, everything you do is all good. Everything you do, my Lord, is all good for everybody. But Mahaprabhu said, it's an offense to cause fear in any living entity. This is Mahaprabhu's move. So although in other ages, Krishna's avatars remove the life of the demoniac, and that will liberate him. Krishna himself comes as Lord Chaitanya and doesn't kill anybody. He actually just removes the demoniac spirit and gives him love of God. Which is what Srivas Panda is experiencing here in the association of his worship of the Lord. His whole body filled with joy, he offered Dandavad obeisances, then folding his hands, he recited prayers. He began by praying from the Srimad Bhagavatam 10, 14, 1, the first verse of Burma, Burma offered to Krishna. My dear Lord, you are the only worshipful Supreme Lord, personality of Godhead. Therefore, I am offering my humble obeisances and prayers just to please you. Your bodily features are the color of clouds filled with water. You are glittering with a silver electric aura emanating from your yellow garments. Let me offer my respectful, repeated obeisances to the son of Maharaj Nanda who is standing before me with conch shell, earrings, and a peacock feather on his head. His face is beautiful. He is wearing a helmet, garlanded with forest flowers, and he stands with a morsel of food in his hand. He is decorated with cane and bugle, and he carries a buffalo horn and flute. He stands before me with small lotus feet. And this way he continues his prayers. And he offered his own self-composed prayers. Disguised as a householder, you bewildered me. I did not know who you are. My birth was very lowly. Displaying many illusions, you cheated me. You washed my garments, folded my dhoti, and served me in many ways. I am no longer afraid, O oh, Master of my life. Please hear my words. Now you are my Lord. You have become before, come before my eyes. Today all my sufferings are destroyed. On this day you have appeared before me. Today my birth and all my deeds have borne fruit. Today all auspiciousness has come before me. Today, my eyes have become fortunate without limit. 
Today I gaze on you, the Supreme Lord, whose feet Goddess Lakshmi serves. Just a little glimpse into the ecstasy that Sri Ras Pandit experiences when he realizes that he's with Krishna. Krishna's come to be with him. And Sri Ras Pandit dedicated his life to the service of Lord Chaitanya and the spreading of the Sankhita movement. It started in his home. That's pretty good. So we can pray to him for empowerment in this chanting of Hare Krishna, empowerment in Kirtan. What is Kirtan for? Kirtan is for three different things. It's to please Krishna. It's to purify ourselves, And it's to help others come to Krishna consciousness. So when we're taking up the practice of Kirtan, also Japa to Nam Seva, we can pray to Shiva's Pandit today and every day. My dear Shiva's Pandit, please, Sankirtan began in your home. You are so dear to Lord Chaitanya. I want to be a servant of the servant of your servants in this movement. Please help me to chant Krishna's name so I can be purified, so I can help others to come to his service, and so I can please him. This is my humble request, Hare Krishna. So this is our mood. Today and every day we'll take shelter of Shiva's Pandit. Vachana Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya, Prabhu Nityananda, Shri Advaita Gadadha, Shiva With that desire for those three things, followed by Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Comments, questions, reflections. I had a few reflections. One is on the altar this morning, we were listening to Shiva Prabhupada, and he was describing how in the early days in New York City, they would have morning class at 7 a.m. And he said, and neighbors would come to us half naked, knocking on our door, saying, it is too early, it is too early. And, and, and Prabhupada was like, it's 7 a.m. And he said, it's too early, it's too early. Prabhupada was making this point about people just want to sleep as long as they can. That's like their goal. 14, 16, 24 hours, he was saying. And he said, so these people half naked would come knock on his door, tell him to be quiet. And he said, we would not stop. We would keep going. <laughs> and I just thought that was funny because the Brahmins were complaining about this too in the past. Um... And then I, I really appreciate your point earlier about the, you go to the sports game and you say, oh, I will become the team, right? Or I become the game itself. And in Jagadharmish Bhaktivinoda Thakur describes, he says, if one says that Brahman is Ananda, like if Brahman is bliss, if you become Brahman, then there's no one to experience bliss. You can't prove that actually it is bliss at all. Hmm. Like it, it, and bliss is a state of, of experience. But if no one's there to experience bliss, how can you say that Brahman is bliss? You actually don't know Brahman. Yeah. Because you, you, if you are Brahman, you can't experience Brahman. So I, I just said that was... Yeah, you must be theorizing about something. Yeah, and I like that point that you made, that it's a theoretical idea of, of how to go beyond. But you can't actually go beyond in that way. It's just, it's just theory. It's, theoretical. it's an idea of, of escapism, ultimately. Yeah. Experiences are had by persons. So if you want experience, you've got to be a person. Ideas don't experience. Yes. I don't know where it's the Kaman uh, for the <coughs> nocturnal kirtans at Shiva's Angam as being the Nantikana Nasti. 
I don't have the pramana for that handy. I've heard it also. I believe that Chaitanya Bhagavad mentions that those kirtans were thousands and thousands of years long were compressed into a night, just like the last Lila. But I'm not sure, I'm not sure. I can say for certain that that's there. I can look for it, try and look for it. I think probably Prabhupada would be the closest sadhu that I would consult on that, since he has the entire Shastra memorized. And he's probably listening to us right now. So if you are Bhagavad Guru and you have a Pramana, Mother Nidra would appreciate it. So would I. Anytime. Thank you. Hare Krishna. One from the Pajara? Service is limited to that. 
So, but devotees actually, not just theoretically, think that they're connected to all living entities. We actually can do service for all living entities. That's remarkable. To do that service of, of emotional and physical For sure. service to the children, and and at the same time, what about spiritual? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if no one had fed me, I wouldn't be here to talk about Krishna. Hear about Krishna. <laughs> That's true. I'd be somewhere else in some other body because I would die. But uh, ultimately, that that rebirth is what we're trying to get free from, get to to real happiness. Mother Nathan, further close. I was thinking that she has that all the different groups, the different Gaudiya groups, non Hatha groups, all the different Iskhan um, groups, the different you know, Russian groups, the Bengalis, the you know, English speaking, they all converge. And at least when I was on the Parikrama, at the end at Shiva's Anga, and the kind of kirtan that went on was unbelievable. And um, so I was thinking how Lord Chaitanya brought <coughs> all of this to this planet to bring all this, you know, kind of like diversity uh, and oneness <laughs> together. And, so that's an experience of that. And uh, it's been such a tough to get that experience of that Shiva. And actually, on this day, <coughs> um, Sridhar Swami, I don't know if anybody knows of him much, but um, he left his body, Prophet Sridhar Swami. On this oh, day. Prophet's disciple. Yeah, Prophet's disciple. And Indigenous uh, Swami was a very good friend of his. And arranged to travel with um, Shudo Swami from Vancouver, because he's Canadian. To uh, Mayapur. Now, this was an extraordinary event because, uh, and feat, because usually you can't fly if you're about ready to leave the planet. You know, you're about ready to die. They won't let you. Right? Well, that was really what was going on with Sridhar Swami. But his good friend, Indy, as uh, Maharaj would call Indrajuna Swami, um, arranged it and made it such that nobody really, you know, got it 100%. He was like, well, you know, my friend's got a little bit of a, little bit of a cold, but, uh, you know, he's getting over it. And, and, and so, uh, <laughs> And anyway, so so many things happened on the flight where uh, um, Mars was like totally, you know, the body was just not doing well. And but somehow or other, he gets there to Mayapur, and they have the installation of the Panchatattva, and and they help all the devotees help Maharaj to help bathe the deities. And there's the film footage of that, and it's so ecstatic to see him there. Doing that when you know he's going to leave his body soon and travel all the way from Vancouver to Mayapur to do that. And, uh, and then about a week later, so on this day in Mayapur, he, uh, he left his body. He was here, he helped us with a fundraiser. He used to travel all over, you know, at one point, like Narada Muni, um, 
helping fundraising. You know, he was like a really staunch brahmachari and juhu, and he did incredible work with like membership and fundraising, really nice pastimes with Prabhupada, and he was called the Jolly Swami. And because um, he was so funny and so much humor. Um, one devotee said um, he uh, took him to his room and he had pictures of like Lord Narsimhadev all over his room. There was no place you could not see him, Lord Narsimhadev. And then, um, so yeah, he left on this day, but um, when he came here, it was like, you know, wow, he's flying all over the world and he came to Denver, kind of like Narada Muni, you know, he came to, came to us. And, 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 and uh, like Narada Muni, you know, he comes as Srivas and Lord Chaitanya's pastime, so Maharaj was traveling all over, you know, in the mood of uh, uh, Narada and Srivas. Trying to spread the glories of the Panchapatta and these amazing devotees. Yeah, I just see how Lord Chaitanya reciprocated with him at the end. Yeah. That's fantastic. Okay, real quick. This is 906. He's the 12th, the 10 offenses to pizza after Shadow and Mary Marie Sloan. That's right. He wrote the 10 offenses against honor and pizza. He was, a, he was astonished to believe pizza for Shadow. You can look them up. Reflecting on your um, the oneness point, because the other day when we were listening to probably lecture on the altar, and probably was talking about unity and and variety, mm-hmm. and so I went I went back and I looked up that lecture, and I saw that there are quite a few lectures where he talks about unity and and variety, and in, yeah, he uses that. Term. Also, diversity he uses that word too sometimes. Yeah. And so, and he's talking about how it was so interesting. He was saying that Krishna is the one, is the oneness that ties all the diversity varieties together, and that he 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 is that thing which creates all the varieties. And then not only does he just all those varieties coming from him, he also manages them all. But he says that he's such a big man. That he said, just like Big Man, he Big Man, he's at home with his family, he's comfortable, and from his phone, all from his phone, he says he doesn't have to go to the office, he doesn't have to go to the factories. All from his phone at home, he's managing so many factories, so many offices, so many people. And so he's saying like, uh, it's just like a big man, Krishna is. And he said, Indra, Lord Indra is managing so many things. And he said. So just imagine Krishna, but he said it's, it's easy. He's at home and he's avoiding all so many things. Shri Prabhupada ki jai, Shri Vasudeva ki jai, Ramchandra Prabhu Krishna Prabhu Sundari Vijayapati Tanam Pavanibhu Vasudeva.